it, it, it is an, an awesome responsibility. Um, it's one we take very serious as far as like what's the differentiator between this player and that player, and special teams can play that that's part. A lot of times your team is identified by how they act in the weight room, what, what they look like in the weight room, what their special teams look like, and I think it's a huge component of your success. You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is episode 151. I'm your host, Tatum Everett. I've got my co-host, Gabe Henderson, and our producer, Jay Nelson, in the TCO Radio Studios with me right now. And guys, this episode kicks off a special series of podcasts that will highlight some of our new and old Vikings coaching staff and strength coaches. These are some of the guys you may not hear a lot from, but they are making things happen for this team. We'll dive into their backstories and what makes them excited about the 2022 season. So to kick things off on today's podcast, we have the assistant special teams coach, Ben Kotwika. And, you know, it was a little bit difficult trying to learn how to say coach's name. So he was kind enough to tell us you can just call him Ben or you can call him Coach K. Ben. I was going to say, let's go Ben. Which for Gabe makes him start twitching as soon as he hears Coach K. Like, I should be able to say Coach K, but it's still, like, tough for me to just say, like, Coach K, because I just can't Dude, just the way you said that was just just so offended. Yeah, it it is very offensive hearing the word Coach K, especially in my house. But um, Ben Kotwika, great guy, had the opportunity to work with him in Washington uh, in 2019. So uh, that familiarity... I think just from him understanding the players then, I think that would transfer well here in Minnesota. So uh, always good to talk to a guy like that. I think the nice thing about uh, Coach Kotwika as well is in talking to him a little bit, you start to realize that all of these people have different backgrounds. They've all got different experiences. Like you said, come from Washington where you had met him there. He even had a, a, a bigger life before that as well, which people will find out in the interview. Yeah. It, I think part of doing all of this as well is just to highlight the fact that there are so many new faces, personalities, mm-hmm. and experiences that have come into working for this organization with the changeover. And I think it'll be very helpful for the fans just to be able to put some voices to the names and uh, hopefully just learn a little bit more about some of these guys that are in the building. We hear from a lot of the same people over and over again, but obviously there's just so much behind the scenes, technically behind the scenes work that I don't think fans really get a peek into. And so we're excited to bring you a lot of those coaches and, as we said, strength staff. There are a couple of guys that have been here for a while, and then there's some new faces that you'll be able to meet. And so we'll get to that interview in just a second. But, you know, training camp, it's in the books. The facility is eerily quiet today. And not to mention, it's a little gloomy here as we record. And I just think it's it, it just added to the whole feel of like we are at a break there's no players around they're getting their break before we really start hitting the ground running it's a lot quieter today than it was the last what four weeks at this point like four weeks or four months yeah well exactly (laughs) and that's you know we talked about that last episode as well just to say all of the changes and the lack of off season at least the lack of quiet off season you know now all of a sudden there's kind of this lull for the next month and a half or so and and i think it's just a good idea to be able to kind of hit the reset button, let everyone kind of go back to their corners and figure stuff out, let the players kind of decompress a little bit, let the coaches and front office staff be able to kind of take their time to also formulate you know, out their game plans. I think for all of us as well, it just gives us a chance to breathe and really plan for what's coming up here for the season. So there's so many things that everybody else is involved with. I think this time is, trust me, we're not all sitting on our butts. There's going to be a lot of planning and a lot of, a lot of uh, pre-planning and, and just 
shooting and getting everything ready for this season coming up here. So it's a much needed time for everyone in the organization. Once you're in that groove of the season, you don't have time to really come up with too many new ideas. So this planning process is big for us. Gabe, as you know, somebody that's worked in the NFL for as long as you have, and from a player's perspective, this time that they have right now between mini camp and then training camp, what are they up to? And, and you know, it, it, they're also not just sitting on their butts hanging out. Yeah, these guys, they'll, they'll probably will take a break for about a week or so, but it'll be a week max. And then from there, they'll get right back into it. That's why it'll be good to to talk to uh, the Derek Keyses of the world, the Tyler Williams of the world in the coming weeks, because those guys send these guys home with uh, workout sheets or, or, or books to be able to keep their body up or keep their body in football shape because you, you do about two months straight of just football work and then you say, hey, go home and enjoy yourself. You you want to make sure those guys are still in shape so when they come back, they don't have to restart their process of getting back in shape and, and trying to, to make plays because once they get back in July, late July, I mean, if you're not in shape, you're losing your spot. And if mm-hmm. you lose your spot, there there's a really good chance you might not be on this team. So um, this 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 break right here is is key. This is where the professionals become professionals, and this is where some of the rookies still try to figure it out. So, um, interesting times ahead. The crazy part is training camp literally used to mean getting people in to get them back into shape. Mm-hmm. You know, back before people were making the contracts they are now, you always hear the people that were from sixties and seventies and stuff saying we couldn't necessarily afford our normal lives and we'd have to go get our day jobs and they'd be working for 3M controlled data. Some of these other, you know, general mills and Cargill and stuff here in the twin cities. And then training camp was, and you got to get in shape to play football in about three weeks. So that's why they used, you know, two days, three days, Bud was driving them into the dirt just to try to get them into football shape to be able to play. Nowadays, like you said, if you walk into training camp and you're not in shape, Mm. uh, there are very few people that get that, chance to get themselves back into shape, Mm -hmm. let alone, I think the bigger concern is just not get hurt, you know, trying to make sure you're coming in, your body's ready to go. That's why all of these guys have workout regiments and, and, uh, strength coaches outside of here and consultants and dietitians. I think this is the time for them. Yeah. To be able to mentally and physically kind of help themselves get ready. But a lot of that involves, doing all their outside work with all their training and their their diets and everything just to make sure they're ready to go as soon as they walk in the door. Especially when you have guys like Cam Bynum, who's going to be traveling to the Philippines or guys like this is a time where if you want to travel outside the country, you do it. This is the time mm-hmm. you get away from from the sport and what you really want to do. But at the same time, you may get away from it mentally and figuratively and probably literally, but you, you, you still want to make sure your body's in shape. So there, there won't be any heavy lifting right now. But at the same time, these guys aren't going to come back 20 pounds over. I was talking to Nick Muse this past week, and he basically said coaches want him to come back 10 pounds lighter. So wow, his, so he's got some cardio in he's plan. Got some, exactly. So <laughs> these these coaches have different goals for what they want these guys to be when they come back. So yeah, vacation, get your get, get your mind away from the game mentally, but don't go gorge. Go go figure out how you can be a better football player when you get back because the next six or seven months of your life are going to be living. You know what? Uh, so athletes are just insane. I mean, if you told me I'd have to go lose 10 pounds the next month, I'd be like, yeah, sorry, I'm trying, but it just doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> I think between that and you've got other people that have to eat and they're just looking yeah. at each other going, I don't want to have to be like you right now. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. like the guys that get to eat, you're like, yeah, I get to eat. And then you're like, oh, wait, I have to eat that much every single oh, day just yeah. trying to gain it. And like Eric, Ken- like guys like Eric Kendricks, it's so hard for him to gain weight, which so, is crazy. So I'm sure. He's probably 
knowing every single calorie he's putting yeah. in his body every single or day. Garrett just Bradbury. Garrett, I mean, he's put on 20 pounds, yes. so it's more so of him just trying to maintain that. Although so. he said he eats beef and ice cream. That yeah. sounds Hopefully like a true, not together. Sounds like a true North Carolinian, <laughs> like beef and ice cream. Yeah. Oh Hopefully my gosh. not together. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, for those guys, you know, when you have to, you have to eat like 3,500 calories a day all the time or more. The idea of that is you're like, oh yeah, that would be nice. And then you're like, when you have to do it yeah. and maintain your, your cardio and maintain your strength versus just completely getting over overweight and out of shape and sitting on the couch doing nothing. Mm -hmm. That is where guys like you had mentioned, you know, Derek Keys and some of the dietitians, strength training people, they have to individually go through all of these different players and say, like, this is how you can safely and healthfully be able to do this. And oh, by the way, you got five weeks to make it happen. All right. Well, on that note that we are taking a break from things, uh, the media is not taking a break from there. I'd like to call this the Vikings hot take of the week. This is something Jay found and sent Man, this to should us. Be like a, and I just couldn't this help should be myself. A segment every week. Hot take the of Vikings, the week. From, we can make it happen. From here on out. Oh, we can definitely dig and find hot takes of the week if you want. <laughs> hot take of the week. Colin Cowherd is our winner of this week's Vikings hot take. I, I've said this before. I believe the team that will double their win total will be the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Minnesota Vikings, the coach Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins had a really bad relationship. Now they bring in a McVay guy who's supposed to be, they say, a taller version of McVay. A taller version of McVay, which obviously makes him what? Better? Worse? Taller. I don't know. Height, height transitions into wins. You know this guy. Of course, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, you've seen every head coach that's won so a Super Bowl funny. the past few years. They've been six, four and taller. Although my question for Colin Cowhart is, does he listen to the Minnesota Vikings podcast? Because that, you know, Jay had a similar hot take, I think, you know, last week. Hold, if you're... hold please. <laughs> the conversation last week was them going undefeated. And I said, I will definitely take that. <laughs> And um, my whole point of sending the link to you guys was to say, mm, it's not necessarily undefeated, but I'll take it. You'll there, take it. There's a uh, Stephen A. Smith um, quote that a lot of people say when some off-kilter type stuff. Okay. And the first word starts with stay, and I'll let you figure out the rest. So just hearing Colin Cowery <laughs> say that, I was like, man, like, what is this dude smoking right now? Because I can't... I. I, we both, we all three of us work for the Vikings here. And of course yes. we want them to be successful. And I think they will this year. And, you know, honestly, in my opinion, 12 and five is a good enough season and it can get you to the playoffs and figure it out from there. But 16 and one, that's a, that, that's, that might be a little bit of a reach. No offense. My, my whole thought process was, wait, did he know how many wins we had last <laughs> year? And it's not, again, it's not the idea of we can't get to 16 wins, but it's the idea of going from eight to 16 in that short of a span, if if it is something where it comes down to the new coaching scheme, the new coaching kind of the attitude in the building does jump us from an eight to a 16. I think, in my opinion, one, that's an amazing change. And two, it just shows with last year just how much of an issue it was then in the building. If mm -hmm. that's literally the one change that you're the, the major change you're going to make and mm -hmm. it will double your wins if that happens. So I have a question for I, you. No, I don't want 61. We talked about this Stop last it. week. I don't want like personally. I know I was asking you this question last week. Would you much rather have all these nail biters and that yes. ends up in a Super Bowl, or do you want blowouts? Like I, I'm like in between the line of like, 
optimist and pessimist. Like I'm not a pessimist, but I'm not like a, I'm a cautious, optimistic person. Welcome and, to Minnesota. And 12, <laughs> and 12 and five is great for me because if you go 16 and one, the bar for the following season is like, you have to go undefeated in order for this to be a successful season. Like I, I'm a firm believer in growth. And if you can start somewhere, if we, if we start this year, this year at 11 and six, and then just build from that, build on that every, every year from here on out, I'm okay with that. Okay. Question. If we do go 16 and one, who's the loss to? Detroit. Oh my <laughs> You think so? I think so. Because that's the game. That means like, you beat the Packers twice. That's fine. Right? I'm in on that. I was going to say, as long as it's not to that team, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, the Jets. You know Jets. what? It would, it would honestly end up the being Bills. somebody like the Bears. The Bears. <laughs> or the Bills being in. Or the last week because you're already 16-0 and 0 and you're not really playing a ton of people. It's the Hold Bears. On. Yeah. So I've waited 24 years for a team again to go with a one-loss season yeah. mm-hmm. since the 98 Vikings. Sure. No, no, no. Uh, oh, you're talking about the Vikings. The Vikings, I'm specifically. talking about NFL teams. Nope. My bad. Vikings specifically. I've okay. waited 24 years since having a team do that. The one team that year that they lost to was Tampa, but it was the creamsicle Buccaneers mm-hmm. that knocked them off, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, you're going to beat Tampa. And then Tampa found a way to beat them, and it was the one blemish they had before the big blemish. Um Again, after last week, we had talked about it. The fun of that season, if you get on that kind of a roll, because it doesn't guarantee they're all going to be blowouts. But if you get on that kind of a roll and you get to that 16 and one, it was a similar feeling in 09 as well with Brett Favre with only a couple of losses. And doing that, you control your own destiny. That would be a heck of a lot of fun. I made a list of some notable turnarounds in the last few seasons, mainly since, you know, like the 2012 ish and now because that's that's that, that's somewhat that, modern era modern era um more or less i was trying to think of teams that are playing in this type of day and age of the nfl right because like so much has changed over the years and there are a ton of teams that have made rapid turnarounds from in between two seasons but the the four that i they picked besides obviously the 99 rams because that was a four and 12 season and then they went 13 and three and won the super bowl obviously that would be fantastic but the three that i really caught my eye were the 2012 colts they had a first year head coach in chuck pagano they were two and 14 the season before 11 and five made the playoffs which i think is something vikings fans would be super pumped to see 11 wins making the playoffs can't really complain 2013, Andy Reid's first season, also 2-14, and 11-5 made the playoffs. But then there's this one who we heard Colin Coward compare Kevin O'Connell to. The 2018 Rams, it was McVay's first year. They were 4-12 and 12 the season before. Then they went 13-3 and three and lost in the Super Bowl, which I'm not saying... I guess the three the reasons I, I picked those three were because of the first year head coach. Like it's not impossible to go from a place where this team isn't a two win, four win team. It's better than that. And to make a jump like that in one year. Yeah. I think that Rams team, they had uh, 10 straight losing seasons and then they, they had 11 years, 11 out of their 12 years before McVay, they had losing seasons. So that turnaround was Crazy. I think that's probably the craziest turnaround I, I've seen since I've been in this business. But mm-hmm. never say never. No. Never say never. And this Vikings team, I mean, it's not like we had a four and twelve season last year, or right. you know, two and fourteen or whatever. So the, the pieces are there, mm-hmm. and I don't think the the turnaround should be that surprising. If we do make a turnaround, I don't think it'll be a sixteen and one no, turnaround. I think so. But if we do make that turnaround and get into the playoffs, 
I don't think people should be surprised. I don't think they will be. But in the same breath, it's encouraging having other great coaches, other great first year coaches uh, experience that success in their first year. And I think a lot of that success is due to teams not having a playbook on what you want to do. So I look at Sean McVay, right? It's his first time ever being a head coach versus Andy Reid, where he was a head coach in Philly before. There's a few discrepancies that that defenses can pick up when they're game planning for you um, in the offseason, especially for week one if you're a head coach, because this is what he did at in Philly. So maybe this is the offense he wants to bring here. So mm-hmm. Kevin O'Connell doesn't have that. Nobody really knows what he likes to do. So it may take teams a, a year or a year and a half or so just to try to figure out what he likes to do, what are some of his tendencies, what are some things uh, that frustrates him. So I, I personally think we'll, we'll, we'll experience some success um, early on in this first year. I'm not being biased, but I just think just the history of what this type of offense is, I, I, I really do think this Vikings team will experience some, some success um, pending uh, injury. Part of it, too, if you look at those teams, you think about, you know, why did the Colts struggle the way that they did that year, 2011? No Peyton, Peyton Manning. Manning. He yeah. was out. Mm-hmm. And then um, last week's guest for for the podcast was the quarterback. Matt Castle was the quarterback in Kansas City the year before as well. And then with the Rams, you know, they jumping in with uh, Goff and Gurley at that point, mm-hmm. too. And just to see that big change. I think the the Rams is the most interesting because we have the tie. But two, the fact that the Rams themselves, there wasn't a huge personnel shift no. that happened at that point. And to see that jump that mm-hmm. way it's purely because of scheming and coaching kind of resetting the deck there with the same pieces that they had. That is the one that's the most intriguing because if that is something that we can get out of our coach in front office, given the way that the Rams did that, that will be a very exciting season. Jay, why do I feel like you just made a jab at Matt Castle? I'm not. I'm not. It's purely that he was the quarterback because no, I get it. it was just purely coming into that brand new system with a new coach and everything. And then the following year with Cornell coming out and Andy coming in, it just shows you like there was a big change there given coaching trying to change to the strengths of some of the different personnel that they had there. It's hard to sit there and look at these and say, yes, it's going to be this way because I think so many teams when they make a head coaching change, I mean, even just look within the division between the Bears and the Lions, the amount of coaching changes they've had, personnel changes they've had. You're doing this to kind of create a spark and to try to change something. Right. And you know you can't get rid of 53 to 90 players completely because that's just not possible. So you try to change the philosophy. You try to change the leadership. In doing that, the hope is everyone's looking at guys like Justin Jefferson and Delvin, Thielen, Kirk, everyone that has been the playmakers the last couple of years saying this offense can do something dangerous. Now you give him a guy like Kevin O'Connell, who is an offensive-minded coach, coming from that Rams tree, and now they turn around and say, what can we do with these pieces? The hope is those close games turn into wins versus losses. Yeah, and I think, you know, to that point, I was just joking about that, but, you know, Matt Castle. He wasn't 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 joking at all. Um, But, yeah, I was thinking of Matt Castle, his career, 09 wasn't the greatest year. Uh, 2010 was his Pro Bowl year, and then he got hurt the following two years. So it it never really worked out for him, and that's when the Alex Smith situation came. You bring Mm -hmm. Alex Smith with a new with a new coach, it's like okay, we're going to figure this thing out and start from scratch. But think about even think about Alex Smith going to the Chiefs, right? Mm -hmm. With the Niners and with he and Kaepernick and everything, and just looking at, they had to make a decision who they're going to go with. Alex goes to the Chiefs, Kaepernick's in and and the Niners. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. make the run. As well, like it, it, it is so crazy how some teams have a glut of riches, 
and still don't necessarily produce with them once they get once they have the option. They make a decision to run down one path. It doesn't work out. And then everyone second guesses and says, well, maybe we should have gone left instead of right. For our situation, the thought has been there was some sort of a rift or that we just weren't using as a coaching staff from before the pieces that we had efficiently. And now we're taking the chance to say, let's bring in some new thoughts, some new ideas to see if that's going to work. If that doesn't work, then the other harder questions come into play and say, what do we need to do personnel-wise to make things change? I I personally think the San Francisco 49ers are having the same situation now that they had with Alex Smith and Callan Kaepernick. Welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. (laughs) We're not talking about the 49ers right now. Hey, I have a feeling uh, our fans also love the NFL. We're all good. Yeah, and you know, Kwesi has a really rich history with the 49ers. And we'll see him at preseason. Yeah. That 49ers team, Kwesi always said it, that 49ers team was built to beat the Rams. And he says he's going to make this Minnesota Vikings team built to beat the Green Bay Packers. So it'll be um, interesting to see how all that works out. But when you have a when you have a, a head coach and a GM that wants to have an identity, and their identity is strong, and they want to have a, a firm belief in you know beating certain teams, I think that that is a, a great start for success. There has been a long history of arms races here in this division trying to beat the Packers or trying to beat the Bears. Mm-hmm. Randy Moss getting selected here. You turn around and saw the Packers select basically corners and safeties for like the next three drafts, trying to figure out how do we combat this guy. And I think you saw a little bit of that this year as well with Justin Jefferson blowing up the last two seasons. Packers turned around and made a couple high-profile secondary selections the last two years. The Packers, they drafted defensive players? Exactly. But that's my point <laughs> is that I think if if we can get into – the idea of an arms race here within this division. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the idea on our end is kind of the younger new look league with all of the offensive scoring. If that's the case for fans, it's going to be super exciting this season. If we can have half as much fun watching the games as the players are having in the building on the field, just seeing them have fun. I just hope it just translates down to the actual product and then therefore translates to more fun in-game and and a better watching experience where you're not feeling like you're having a heart attack every week. But that ultimately ends up in wins. Yeah. I think if they're winning, Oh, come on. You didn't didn't love going the back and forth. I know we talked about this last week, so... I.e., if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, we definitely don't, we don't. De- no, you know, you got to, you got to. Well, that was our Vikings hot take of the week, Colin Cowherd. Thank you for that. You know, I'll we'll have to keep scouring the Twitterverse and see what else is out there to kind of have a debate about because this is this is interesting. Like this is the time where we can sit back and make a lot of these assumptions. What if? What ifs? Yeah, yeah. And oh, then we- and then Jay goes back and clips the audio where we're like. We'll never go sixteen and one, and then like you know, we go sixteen and one, and we Again, have I a naysayer podcast. What if the Vikings go sixteen and one and win a Super Bowl? Jay? I am Jay's, so here for this. And then he quits. He's like, I'm going <laughs> yeah, out on top. I'm, I'm so retiring. He's going to pull a Peyton Manning. <laughs> I am so here for this. Nah, that's um, that's the ultimate goal of of everyone here is just to get yeah. that ultimate ring, no matter how you get it. I mean, you can be the Giants and go eight and eight. eight, and eight, eight. Yeah. They're eight and eight that year. I guess you would be nine and eight this year. But as long as you get to that goal, um. That's all that matters. And, you know, all three phases of the ball is going to play a huge dividend in doing so. And speaking of all three phases of the ball, we've got our assistant special teams coach, Ben Katwika, who was our guest as we teased earlier in the show. We get to know him a little bit more and why he's excited about this special teams unit. All right. Now we've got assistant special teams coach here from the Minnesota Vikings, Ben Katwika. Kat- 
Did I say that right? Cut week again. Great to be with you today. I appreciate the time. Appreciate I'm sure you. no one ever messes that up. No, no. <laughs> we usually stop at the K sometimes, but what Coach you, K, we Coach haven't K? quite lived up to that legacy yet. I was going to say, yet, what do the though. players call you? Coach K? Coach Ben or Coach K, okay. you know. So it's uh, kind of neat because, you know, I'm a West Point grad and so is Krzyzewski, So mm. uh, that's a little tough to say, but uh, he's, <laughs> he's done such a great job. But uh, yeah, sometimes we just stop at Ben or K. Well, being from North Carolina and being a Tar Heel fan, I'm gonna just call you Coach Ben because Coach say. K doesn't really doesn't really <laughs> ring well in my in my house. But being here in Minnesota now, you know, just from New York to Washington, work with you in Washington there for a couple of years, and then Atlanta, now to Minnesota. You came during the summertime, so chances are you haven't really experienced the Minnesota cold yet. Well, I got enough taste of it when I arrived in late uh, late February and uh, walking from my car into the building. I can be a bit of a wind tunnel, but uh, it's great this time of the year. Uh, what are we here in um, uh, you know June. June? It's it's been spectacular now. So just really looking forward to the summer and leading into the fall, and uh, really excited about the opportunity uh, this year. What's it been like getting to know Matt Daniels? And, and the special teams unit during this offseason as well as minicamp this week. Sure. So Coach Daniels and I uh, have crossed paths professionally, um, obviously, when he was in Dallas and in the Rams. And I actually remember him uh, coming out as a player uh, from Duke and, and watching him and evaluate him and had a lot of respect for him uh, as, a, uh, as a player. And now having the opportunity to work with him the last few months, I've got even more respect for him as a professional, as a coach. So uh, it's been really, uh, really a great experience. I think it's been give and take and we've uh, exchanged ideas. And I think that's what's cool is as a coach, you're always looking to grow and him coming from a different system than I was a part of from for many, many years. Uh, it's, it's really good to share those, uh, those ideas and stuff. So um, I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. How, are, how have all those experiences of being with previous teams helped you propel you to this moment of being able to work with Mac for the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, I think each year is its own entity. Each season is its own experience. Um, you know, I was with the Jets there for, what was that, seven, eight years with Coach Mangini and then Coach Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, obviously under the tutelage of Coach Westoff for many years, who's, who's one of the best that's done it, and then moving, you know, to Washington and then to Atlanta. So you take a little bit of different experiences, different techniques, different tools that you put in your kit bag so that when you get to, you know, this time now you, you, uh, you present them and, and then, you know, maybe adapt some of them, maybe not. So it's been a give and take, but uh, I think meld blending in both of our experiences has been uh, beneficial so far. Why special teams for you? It's something you've stuck with now for 15 years. You know, what was yeah. what was um, about it? Uh, yeah, it was um, just by nature to a degree. Uh, I'm not a kicker. I'm not a punter. I'm a linebacker by trade. Grew up in the south side of Chicago, went to West Point. I was a linebacker, strong safety, and then, you know, military experience there mm-hmm. for a handful of years. And then when I got into, the co- into coaching, I was actually on the defensive side and special teams. So I did both with Coach Mangini. And then when Coach Ryan, when Rex came on, I moved into the special teams world under Coach Westoff. And so that just has followed me during those years. And then a few years uh, after working with Coach Westoff, was fortunate enough to be the coordinator. So that's really how that evolved, Tatum, and uh, just somewhat organically. And it's, uh, it's, it's been great. What do you love about it? Uh, I love the opportunity to work with the whole spectrum of the roster. I don't have just four or five players that uh, are in my positional meeting room. Essentially... Um, you know, when you're working special teams, you're commanding and controlling a greater group 
uh, in that regard. So our meetings are filled with, you know, 30 to 35 players. You have the opportunity to work with the specialists. So um, you're really melding everybody mm -hmm. together. Uh, it's the one of the only rooms where running backs are sitting next to linebackers yeah. and tight ends are sitting next to DBs. And so um, the ability to have the opportunity to meld culture and also uh, to extend the message of the head coach. You know, I think that's one of the great uh, avenues where we can echo what Coach O'Connell is is saying. And so you have a great audience for that. And, you know, I've heard a long I heard a while ago in in this profession that a lot of times your team is identified by how they act in the weight room, what, what they look like in the weight room, and what their special teams look like. And I think it's a huge component of your success. And I think with all that you just said of having not really just offenses out of the ball or defenses out of the ball, usually the special teams unit is the, the part of the, the team that people try to get on just to be able to make the plane in the NFL and, and understanding that. How does that affect your coaching, understanding that guys are just trying to just trying to make the team. Yeah, so it sounds like your point specifically uh, is especially with the younger guys that come in from college, right? Mm -hmm. So we just got these draft class and then the undrafted free agents and such, and many of them don't have a vast special team experience. Maybe they played a little bit of it, but uh, many of them were one of, if not the best player on their college team. And mm -hmm. so that was essentially on the offense or the defensive side. So now you're teaching them a different skill set, number one. Number two is, especially in the punt game, in the college world, it's a little bit different, um, you know, in regard to the shield and the style that mm -hmm. the ball is delivered. So again, you're teaching another skill there. And then the other element is the differentiator between, hey, is this guy going to make the roster or not? So um, it, it, it is an an awesome responsibility. Um, it's one we take very serious as far as like, what's the differentiator between this player and that player and special teams can play that. That's part. How do you deal with those success stories, right? The, the guys that come in on special teams, just trying to make the team. And then like the Adam Thielen's of the world, then kind of bump into a, a role on the offensive side of the ball. And it's like, coach appreciate you, but yeah, I think Adam is a, is a great story there in regard to, I remember when we played, I was with, uh, Washington in 2014 and Adam uh, was a budding special teams you know player and um, you know I remember him cutting his teeth through that and so it's almost I don't want to say it's like a graduation but it is encouraging from a special teams coach standpoint that hey this player has uh, done an excellent job on special teams and he's continued to increase his value in Adam's case on the offensive side of the ball to get where he where he is so uh, that's really cool to see and the list is long as far mm -hmm. as my experience of guys when I was with the Jets and in Washington and even Atlanta of guys that came in maybe under the radar um, that weren't the high pick they weren't the first or second round guy they were a late round selection or even an undrafted free agent especially that uh, did the hard work did the things behind the scenes got extra time you know got more and more time on special teams and then eventually evolved into a very effective and efficient offensive or defensive player some of those guys might be vying for that punt return role which is something that you know you're still working out and fleshing out as far as we're in mini camp how is that competition going yeah, the competition's going well. You know, the a couple of the guys, um, you know, that we had on the radar have been um, limited in their uh, participation here in this, you know, voluntary off-season mm -hmm. program and such. So I think that'll be a work in progress. And once we get back into training camp and we get a couple of those guys healthy, whether it be KJ or Amir, and uh, we just 
you know, signed Albert Wilson. So there's there's candidates there, but it'll really tell once we get into into training camp of how the dust settles and that's that specific position. Mm-hmm. How do you because there's so many aspects of special teams. You you have the I mean, the gunners, you have the, the people blocking the gunners, you have punt return, kick return. I mean, so many aspects. How much of speed is involved versus technique? Well, speed helps uh, <laughs> in any phase of right. the game. If you can run, whether it's on the offensive side, defensive side, or the special team side, I, th- I think that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that in the special teams world, there is more of a space game, especially in the coverage aspects. There's just simply more field to cover. And so if you can run, that obviously uh, helps out. But there are some techniques that, you know, we impart to the guys. And again, just putting tools in their kit bag to help them see, be successful so they can win their individual battles, be productive and, and help the team feel like we can't talk about speed without talking about Kane Wangwu to build off of an incredible rookie kick return career. I mean, he kind of had the two breakout scores. And and what do you see from him and and how exciting is it to get a guy like that so young in his career, but so talented? Sure. I see a a good young man who uh, is as good off the field as he is on the field. That's what's really been cool during this introductory process, you know, as a new coach, you know, to the to the team and. And, you know, having familiarity with his production uh, last year, but then getting to meet him behind the scenes and coming into the office to whether look at practice film or look at some game film. So uh, really excited about his uh, his upside and uh, the things that he can bring to the table to help us win games uh, next year. Because I know we always talk about the kick return and punt return, but a, a guy in Chris Boyd always stands out because our guy in uh, uh, Dance's center, those guys that they play gunners on punt return that you, you you trust those guys to get down there and make the punter look good because it's, it's, it's a team effort. But having that speed, having that awareness to be able to stop a ball inside the 20 yard line, how much of that is just awareness versus like technique? You know, yeah, I, I think that. I think you've mentioned two players there. Uh, that have really in, internalized the value of special teams and that we see uh, great value in their performance, mm-hmm. especially, as you mentioned, as gunners on the on the punt team, the ability to to go down and make the play. And, you know, the, in the punt phase, especially, you're changing a lot of field position mm-hmm. there. And that's that hidden yardage that I think becomes so important. And so with uh, players like that and, you know, effectiveness of the punter, you're able to quote unquote flip the field and, you know, flip the field isn't necessarily just a long punt. It's the Mm -hmm. ability to down the ball at the five or the six yard line, instead of that being a touchback that goes out to the 20. And so those are the yards that make a difference. Those are the parts of the special teams game. When uh, you look at the victory uh, that maybe don't show up on the stat sheet all the time but are really the behind the scenes plays that that make for a good football team you have one of the most unique backgrounds i'd say Mm -hmm. on the coaching staff with your eight years in the army yes and then you were a basically an attack helicopter pilot right i mean an apache longbow yeah, so, yeah, so I grad- it's yeah, crazy. that's correct. Yeah, so it's uh, it was awesome serving the country. I, I did that for, for many years. So, uh, again, left Chicago, went to West Point, and uh, when I graduated from West Point, you really ch- picked a job. You know, the Army's like a lot of businesses. You could be infantry, you could be armor. So I picked aviation, and I was fortunate enough to p- fly the Apache Longbow for uh, uh, multiple years in various uh, – 
conditions in various environments. And so uh, I just look back on that time as not only a really cool job that I had, (laughs) but really the opportunity to serve with the men and women that wear the uniform. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are very, very fortunate that... um, we have the those type of people out there that provide the blanket of freedom that allow us to do what we do. And so to be part of that was was pretty special. Coach, we appreciate your service. That's that's amazing. Thanks, yeah, the man. salute to service it. game must be pretty cool. Can't wait to experience that with with you and be able yeah. to acknowledge you. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh it's pretty special. And so it's moments like that mm-hmm. that kind of give you an opportunity to, you know, there's certain days throughout the year that you somewhat reflect and, and think back. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm just very, very fortunate that I had that opportunity and uh like I said, to to do that with, with the team that we had. You know, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about teams, you know, Minnesota, da da da. But uh that was a really special team that mm-hmm. I was able, especially in my time in Iraq in two thousand four, two thousand five. Uh, during the war. It was really a great team to be part of. Well, thank you, Coach, so much for your time. And uh, we can't wait to see what's going on on special teams this season and and see where you guys take it. And we're excited that you're here. Thanks for being on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Awesome. Good to see you and uh, appreciate the time. Such a great chat with Coach K. Sorry, Gabe. It's just going to be way easier for me to say. I'm just trying to give Coach Ben um, a better way to be viewed in you're the Duh. only guy here. There's a couple of guys here. There's a few. We got three. There's like three. There's three. Yeah, Four. there's three. Four. And who's counting though? No, but but we, yeah, you're counting. You are. You're counting. That's for sure. That's okay. We all make those counts. Uh, no, but we'll be highlighting several assistant coaches and strength staff members over the next month leading into training camp, and not just on the podcast. We'll also be dropping interviews with several coaches on Vikings.com or your Vikings app. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Gabe, you got anything else in the works? Viking Circle, Harrison Smith um, should come out this week. We're still in the process of uh, editing that. So he wants to be known as the hitman, but he can't hit like he used to. So um, he's trying to transfer his game to something that is more palatable for the NFL officials. So um, that's coming out this week. Dalvin ring. Plays hard and doesn't get fined, man. Ex- yeah. Exactly. <laughs> plays hard and doesn't get fined, man. Um, He's a kid the- now. He has. He needs. The, he can't be giving his money away for fines. Yeah. Um, He's, that's one of those for him. He's like, I'm just playing the game, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he's so nonchalant about it, like he means he means well with everything that he uh-huh. does on the field. Um, I was going to yeah, say, that, Lewis is going to be having to take some pointers from him on, here's my footage, do not do this. Yeah, I, I, Patrick Peterson told Lewis, because Lewis said he wants to stack bodies he on does. Patrick Peterson's <laughs> podcast. And then Pat P was like, well, I'm letting the young guy get to the ball carrier first, and then I'm being the assistant tackle on that. That's how you play like a vet. That is how you, yeah, especially what, year 10? He's a, he's a double yeah. digits, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Harrison Smith, Viking Circle, Dalvin Cook was last week. So um, just trying to get these guys, have some fun with them and, and go from there. So check that out on Vikings.com and YouTube. And we have the latest Getting Open series, especially the final installation of Lindsey Young's Getting Open series. Obviously, Jay working with the audio side of things there. This week, it's with Perry Nickerson and Patrick Jones II. And they are promoting, or they have been promoting, especially with My Cause, My Cleats, mental health awareness. And I mean, for me, as somebody who is from New Orleans, experienced Hurricane Katrina, was there for it. Um, that story from Perry really hit close to home. Start to realize that all of the outside influences and things, not only as an adult, but as from childhood, just how that can stick with you. And so hearing his story from that, and even with Patrick, you know, talking about moving around and mm-hmm. kind of 
uh, having a, a father who was in the military and being able to kind of have to be the man of the house growing up as a kid between the two of them just coming from different spots, but realizing they both had similar experiences in different ways, having them together to be able to talk about that just kind of helps you understand that, yeah, they might be superstar athletes at times, but they're also human. And so it's just a very good uh, message to promote between the two of them. So check that out with getting open. Yes. Vikings.com also should be on the podcast network as well. If I'm not mistaken. That's correct. I know. I, I like the, the like that you guys added that this year. That's a really nice touch. For us with those different shows, just get them out there mm-hmm. any way you can, whether it's listening to podcasts like you are currently, whether it's YouTube, uh, social media, whatever it needs to be. Lindsay's written words, everything, however you can get this message out there. It's that important. Get it out there to the public and um, just let everyone consume it and hopefully feel like, you know, they're not alone and that there are people out there that are also going through stuff just like you and that if you need help, please reach out. Yeah, there are a lot of resources listed on those getting open pages as well. Um, You know, for us right now, this might be a slow time. No players around. They get a little break, but as you've just heard, there really isn't a break in our content here as we try and get you ready for the 2022 season, get you all geared up and have all of the coaches' names memorized, their positions. You'll be the most knowledgeable Vikings fan in your group of friends if you keep listening as we continue to roll on through the summer and get you guys ready for training camp. This has been episode 151 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Ooh.